0: may have
2: heard of us all right what's up chimney cats this is your host hotter steven with you today for a review of the hot king by josiah bancroft i have my lifelong friends hotter ryan and hotter josh along with me come the hot king guys come Come the the hot
0: king King. That that was probably one of our better intros
2: yeah i like it yeah didn't even practice it once (laughs) <laughs> oh. all
0: right so this is the
2: third of the books of babel and the last of the currently release and the fall of babel book four comes out in a week november 9th i want to yeah. say yeah so we're, about a week yeah
1: we're recording on the first so yeah
2: okay we're eagerly looking forward to that we'll try to get some uh reviews maybe a little bit before we'll see our 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 recording and releasing timeline is like incredibly Condensed and busy right now with all the Wheel of Time stuff, but uh, we we have really enjoyed this series, and we want to make sure that uh, this does not get overshadowed by the Wheel of Time. This is an exciting release,
1: very exciting. And you know, this release, I I had not heard much about this series before we started reading it, and now it is one of my most anticipated releases of the year. I like, I'm super excited to jump into book four, and yeah if that might be spoilers for my opinion about book three but
0: <laughs> yep. definitely I mean I, I feel like I I too like Josh I didn't hear much about this book but everyone who I did hear talk about it had only good things to say they, they seemed pretty passionate about the series and uh, I and and so I, I it took me a while to finally sit down and read them but very glad i did and if you are listening to this and you haven't somehow you decided to listen to the book three podcast or watch our youtube without having read books one or two go read them um, now
1: yeah the first two especially are pretty short you can get through them pretty quickly but is a little bit longer i was kind of surprised it was almost like you know i don't know it's almost twice the length of book two
2: yeah, it was like I want to say six hundred pages, while the first two were between yeah. three to four hundred. Yeah, so
1: not like exceptionally long in terms of the grand scale of novels, but it felt less like a quick read that you can get through in a few sittings, and more like a, you know, mm-hmm. full blown novel that you're sitting down with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It still felt quick to me, though. I I got through. I probably finished the book maybe a week and a half or two weeks ago, but it it felt. Like a quick read to me, I didn't feel like there was any particular parts of the book that were dragging on.
1: Yeah, not at all. I thought the pacing was extremely well done, but just in terms of, you know, um, the the chunkiness of it, it's a little bit chunkier boy.
2: it's split up in kind of a unique way. We'll talk about that in mm-hmm. a minute. I do want to say we we heard about this book. I first heard about this book. Maybe you guys heard about it elsewhere, but I first heard about it on our Discord, on Fintology Discord. And that there were positive things there. And that's really how it kind of got on our radars. So if you're looking for some good book recommendations, join our discord. We'd love to have you there. There's a, there's a good community of like-minded folks who are, and, you know, people of different views, but, uh, you know, the, the internet kind of comes together in a nice way on Pentology discord. And we have some nice recommendations and, um, and, you know, and, and some, uh, contrary things sometimes, but this was, uh, pretty well received all around. Yeah. Okay, so should we just get started with the with the review, book three? I don't yeah. know if we have anything else to lead in.
1: I don't think we need a non-spoiler section of this at all. You know, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't like you should read book three. If you haven't read book three, that's kind of the non-spoiler review, I think.
2: There it is. Read the book. Okay. Uh, so you kind of referenced the pacing. Let's talk about the narrative structure here a little bit because. It was unique, not only to the books of Babel, but fairly, I mean, not entirely unique, but it was a little different than than the usual uh, multiple viewpoints at the same time structure, which is pretty common. And it was also different than just like the linear time. And it was also different than like the flashback type of thing. It was like multiple viewpoints are all happening in successive time. And we were jumping back and forth quite a bit. So what did you guys think of that? Because that was... Um, not something that, I, I i mean, I can't think of a great example. Can you think of another example that's the same? Not really. I mean, I felt like most of the time it would, I felt
1: like for most of the book, it was chunked up between, you know, characters. I didn't think there was that much jumping around. It wasn't like a, you know, Sanderson book where every other yeah, every chapter yeah. was a new viewpoint. It was like, you stuck with the same character throughout most of it
2: the- It was, well, I guess I thought it was unique because- you saw things in in one character's viewpoint that was happening in another in another character's viewpoint so you would go from like time zero to time 10 <laughs> with the first with 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 Senlin, and then you pick up um with valetta at like time zero and you take that to time like 15 skipping over the time when Senlin was there and then edith is kind of the same but it um you see some things that valetta's ha- had happened so there's a good like interspersing of stuff going on.
1: Yeah. That's a good way to phrase it. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. Once I figured out what they were doing, what he was doing, I like got on board with it. You know, it was a little bit confusing, I think for the first, like after the first jump, realizing that we had gone back in time, you know, kind of making that shift in thinking um, took a little bit getting used to it. But then once I got used to it, I thought it was fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is done uh, before. I, I mean, in tv shows like uh, especially like mysteries where it, it you know there's some sort of mystery and then you're following one person's perspective and then it switches to a different person's perspective and their view of the events so it wasn't totally unique i i was actually also kind of confused at different parts and it wasn't just in the beginning i remember being confused at um when it was switching between Voletta um, and Irene and Edith on the ship, I was kind of confused exactly when the times were. And, and so I think that that might be one of the parts that uh, we could nitpick about the book. I mean, as, as Josh had the experience, same experience and I did. I don't think it, maybe we were both just getting a little lazy and, and paying attention but I don't know. Uh, What what about you, Steven? Did you have any experiences where you were confused about exactly where things were lining up?
2: I did like the listening reading strategy where I would listen and then I would go back and kind of read the parts that I know I didn't fully understand. So I don't know if it's really fair to be like, that didn't make sense because I think part of it was just because of the way that I read the book, which I think is a fine way to read the book, but maybe not necessarily with the author was entirely intending um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i think maybe there's some criticism there because there was like a bunch of kind of minor events like mostly what was happening on the ship as they were getting ready to go do the important things and those minor events kind of like bled over and none of it seemed like super vitally important so yeah i could see some confusion as to like whose timeline is this what character do i really care about here because it was mostly just kind of like Sitting with the characters and nothing real big was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would have
1: kind of the tent pull events, like the ship, you know, being attacked. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped frame you and where in the narrative you were. But then again, like Senlin didn't really see that. So that was, yeah. I feel like if there's one one, for lack of a better word, again, like tentpole, one thing where you could stake everyone saw the same event happen. Yeah. Then that would have made things maybe a little bit more clear on on where the time were.
2: Right, yeah, because Senlin Senlin was kind of before the big things for the other two timelines. The ship getting attacked was a good one, but Senlin obviously didn't see that. Maybe like Maria's performance, but Senlin, again, I think, had already been uh you know but like do you
1: know for sure that he had already been made into a hot at that point? like i I assume so by that uh, point. but like it's hard for me to say a hundred percent yes. Sure. you know what I mean, because he didn't really. Most of Senlin's other rest of the story took place, you know, in uh, underground or mm-hmm. black trail or whatever. yeah. Maybe uh, that could have been done a little bit more cleanly, but I did like the narrative structure overall.
0: Yeah, I I did like I did like getting viewpoints from other characters and uh, getting getting a bit more personality rather than just Senlin. Although I did enjoy Senlin in this book as well. Um, I, I, I liked pretty much everybody else and learning more about the way they think their backgrounds was that different than book
2: two for you because it was similar in book two with with different character POVs Mm.
1: this one was a lot heavier on multiple POVs I thought
0: yeah I I don't know so I wasn't I wasn't in the review that you guys did on book two so now I, I feel like I didn't refresh it in my mind immediately so now I'm not sure exactly um, I mean, I want to say that book three, there was a lot more time that we were away from Sendlin and his point of view. A lot more happens without knowing what's going on with him. I don't know. Would you, do you guys think that's accurate or am I just misremembering yeah.
1: it? Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And even when we weren't necessarily in Sendlin's POV in book two, I felt like he was still in the happenings of what was going on. Like you weren't oh. totally detached from him like you were in book three.
2: Yeah. Him being absent from the, the second two thirds of the narrative, other than the black trail chapters really kind of let the other characters have more room on stage on, on stage, so to speak, because like you say, uh, Ryan in the, in book two, even though the other characters had points of view, Senlin was always there and sometimes he kind of took up all the air in the room. And so removing him really kind of gave other characters a, a chance. And so uh-huh. I, I think that's a good strategy yeah
1: i will say this kind of leads me into my critique of the series overall is i think that this book really kind of confirmed my suspicion that it could have been a trilogy like i think a lot of what book two did this book did again you know what i mean with establishing it kind Mm -hmm. of established the same settings that were established in book two you know and while book two did some of the heavy lifting on that it would have been fine just in you know in book three does that make sense like
2: so the back like which parts of book two did you not need like the i mean you need the stuff with the sphinx and you need the stuff with i think you need the first interaction with murat to set up the the whole you know hod king stuff right like just the fact that the, the fact that you think the hod king is Marat for the first 90 percent of the book i mean yeah is because of
0: the setup in book two I, yeah. did you guys i i don't know I don't know the way that it, that was set up that particular mystery. I wasn't really, yeah. I didn't think that the Hod king, Right. Was. Right. Okay. I, I think. All right.
2: Yeah. I, I did think it was. So I didn't know what it was or who it was, but it was like, yeah, oh, this is just too obvious. It can't be right.
1: I think that was, I think it was cool. I think it's the the fact that some machine is in keeping with the general themes of the buzzers. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And the whole
2: Trilobite thing, which was, you know, the book that Senlin got. And you're like, what the heck is this book? You knew it was important, but you had no idea why. Like, it was a nice tie-in, for sure. But yeah. I, I, I don't think, I, I don't know, Josh, like, did you believe that the Hod King was Murat? Like, that was just too no. obvious. Right?
1: Yeah, I, I assumed that it had something to do with Murat, but I didn't think that Murat. Him, I thought that, like, Senlan would become the Hod King or something like that. Yeah, like Murat, I was I was Murat was that was setting Senlin up to be the Hot King.
0: I thought he was gonna do something and then everybody would be like, come the Hod King and yeah. like and be like someone's like, What? I, I what
1: thought he heck? was like fulfilling unknown prophecies, like free like you know, defending defending a hod from the people in the alley or whatever, and then right. trying to prevent, prevent the execution. I thought these were all like, you know, future prophecies of what the Hod King would do and someone was like fulfilling them. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I, I don't think that would have been better. I like what, what uh, happened, but that was kind of my pet theory going throughout the book.
2: Until someone's been in epic fantasy lately. Yeah,
1: <laughs> which I, I am happy that this isn't some like chosen one series. You know, I'm, yeah. it's kind of refreshing that it's not.
2: So when the uh, state of art gets blown up, or so you think, right? At the end of Valetta's part, did you like, did that work for you guys? Because then it starts off, you, you go back in time, it to Ediths, and you're thinking okay like i know what's going to happen here at the end something with bad is happening with the ship but all of a sudden we've kind of pressed the reset button so i could see people being like oh my gosh you know like i just want to know what happens like it it, it seems kind of abrupt here to, to switch keys but or uh yeah switch keys I, I i thought i was okay with it but i did think that was kind of an interesting choice
0: i actually got confused there i mean i knew so i knew what happened I knew that Iran was walking with Valette or running what trying to get back to the ship and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. she she sees that uh commissioner pound's ship I'm blanking on the name the Ararat the Ararat fire at the balloons and then the and then it just drops and then it switches to Edith and so I was like it's like so it is this like in the future a good ways or is this in the past and so I I don't know I don't know exactly how I got confused there because but i can i see what you're saying Stephen. where it might be a little jarring for somebody to be reading that and like get to this like almost this peak of action Uh and then all of a sudden you're just like yanked back into a moment of peace and and it, it lasts for quite a while you know it's not like it's just like a quick perspective to like edith sitting like eating at a table and then all of a sudden. This the attack happens, right? It, it, mm-hmm. You go through like this long viewpoint of Edith. Yeah, I could, I, I could definitely see why that might be a little bit jarring.
1: I thought it worked well. I thought it was, it, it uh, got me kept me engaged. I binged this book over the course of a few days, so it never really lost like the intention for me. I I was pretty enthralled with the whole story of it. Mm-hmm. But I could see how that could maybe kill your momentum if
2: you're already having a hard time getting through it. So having set up that question, I really liked it. I thought it was cool. And I think you have to be okay with knowing that, like, this is a series where there's it's much lighter on the action parts. So there are some cool action parts towards the end. But the most of it's kind of the talking and the, the smart dialogue and the zany settings. Like, that's what makes the series. The action um, is really just kind of, like, extra for the end to make it uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit exciting but i thought it was cool because throughout the third part like this is something that really worked for me because i you know we saw the ship get shot i wasn't sure if it was going to go down or not i i mean for sometimes i'm like oh yeah I, i knew he wasn't really dead whatever you know but this was one where i wasn't sure i wasn't sure if the ship was going to be destroyed or not and so throughout the third book i was thinking okay if the ship's destroyed, like who's still gonna be on the ship? Who's gonna who's gonna potentially die here? And so it worked as I was getting towards the climax. I was like, okay, no, the ship's about to go down, like what's gonna happen? Um, but but I will say once the uh Redelman, is that his the Reddleman?
1: Red- yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah uh, his nice name. Um, once he discovered that the pinging alarm was like the levitating thing, I was like, okay. that's that's it i thought maybe that was like just like revealed a little too soon. as soon as he said the word levitation it's like all right the ship's not really going down
0: yeah you're like "Uh, this is a little too convenient
2: (laughs) but it was nice too because the ship was pinging the whole time you know another like little nice thing that was set up at the beginning the pinging what is the pinging pinging? and then finally it's like oh the pinging is this thing that's connected to the big thing
0: it was pretty awesome with a general icon graph uh, is, that, is,
2: that, I is that his name or grass, something like that yeah
0: yeah where he like stumbles off of the ship the only survivor and he uh-huh. like gives them the signal to fire and then the arrow rat shoots at the ship commits that war crime by targeting the balloons and the ship just drops and and then the king's uh brother is like gloating like oh my gosh i told you so or yeah and then all of a sudden the ship just levitates back up and it's like yeah oh crap and it was a cool moment <laughs> yeah. destroys everything that was pretty awesome
1: that was awesome um here's here's a critique kind of based off that so I don't know how much power overall like the pelphians or the king like have in the tower you know because in some ways it's implied that they're really powerful At other times, it's implied that they're like just part of the lower kingdoms. Yeah. And they're not, and they're kind of nobodies. But I, so this is something, even going into book four, I'm not like sure on what to expect. You're only
2: level five or six. Like the beginning of the book has a little diagram. Yeah. And it's, there's supposed to be 36. I think, how many levels are there? I think there is a definitive number of levels at this point. I don't remember what it is. But we're definitely
1: lower. yeah. Yeah. I think there's for sure at least I think there's for sure 30, 29 or 30.
0: I, I kind of like that. It it's it's there's always a bigger fish, right? And so you like keep getting to the next kingdom and you're like, mm-hmm. oh man, these people think they're on top, or, or when you're when they're in the baths, there's like commissioner pound. You're like, Wow, this guy's so powerful. And then you realize, oh, he's just like a henchman of the Pelphians, and then with Fingol, you're like, oh, man, this guy's really powerful. And then you're like, well, he got turned into a hod, so he's obviously not that powerful. <laughs> and then with the Swin- Finks, you're like, oh, my gosh, she runs the whole tower and knows what everything's about. But she's, like, losing all of her power. And at the end of this book, you don't even – there's something happened to her or something's going on that we don't know what.
1: But that I, I li- that's the thing, that Ryan. I really like that and I agree with you. But then I felt like that just kind of stopped in book three. Where we kind of leveled out and we didn't really get the next layer up. And it seems like the Sphinx is the one that's kind of running the whole, it's kind of the Sphinx versus Marat is the conflict that we have here. Right. Yeah. But but I mean,
0: we've been clued in on these people at the top of the tower with like these rubber suits and like stun guns or or batons. Mm -hmm. And so we know that there's still some mystery left to explore yeah that's true and and that's i mean i i get what you're saying but the part of me that's excited is is that there's so much left to explore he's uh josiah bancroft's definitely not going to get to all of this in book four but i could see him writing another setting in this tower as long as i mean the last book's called the fall of babel so uh, hopefully the tower doesn't totally collapse
2: (laughs) i mean come the hot king right
0: (laughs) yeah i i can
2: see your criticism there a little bit josh like my impression and maybe this is what's intended and in which case like it wouldn't be a criticism but my impression is that we have kind of leveled out and like most of the remainder of the kingdoms are all kind of like similar power level. They have squabbles amongst themselves. They've all been given these, these uh, bricklayers, granddaughter pictures and they're all probably like similar level of technology. And then at the top, there's something weird going on. And I I guess we assume that these guys at the top are like extra powerful, but we have, we got, we, we know very little about them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that's, yeah. That's kind of my uh, trepidation slash hope going into book four is that we get some sort of an idea of what's going on in the rest of the tower, or even if we're told that it's not important really to the, Mm -hmm. to the narrative, it's just something to like kind of help ease my curiosity about that.
2: I could just see kind of like a montage almost of the Hod King plowing through all the levels of the tower and getting quick glimpses of all of them as they're getting destroyed or something.
1: I'd be down for that. Yeah. So speaking of the Bricklayer's Granddaughter, do do you guys have any more of an idea about what this is?
2: It's got to be the Sphinx, right? You mean the the painting or the granddaughter?
1: The painting. Well, oh, dang, Uh I didn't even realize the Sphinx was the granddaughter. Dang. Oh, yeah,
2: no, that's, Valetta figures that out. Oh, I
1: didn't even, that went over my head.
2: Yeah, because the Sphinx is really attached to it and kind of like has this similar origin story as the- Knows about
0: the bricklayer. Yeah.
1: yeah. She
2: she had given Valetta a lie. And the only thing that really seemed to ring true was the story of the the granddaughter. So yeah, we we do think it's the Sphinx, but the painting. Yeah. I mean, at face value, the truth we've been told is that they need all the paintings to put it into the little device that the Sphinx has that will unlock the bridge that has something inside of the safe that the bricklayer, wants them to have i I don't know maybe i missed some details i think that was mostly in the second book at the end of the second book but yeah we didn't get much more in this
0: book and in fact we made no
2: progress in getting additional paintings (laughs) yeah seriously
0: i mean yeah so the the whole their their mission they're trying to recover paintings from the different kingdoms and all they get to is pelfia they do go to one more i don't remember the name of it but they go to like the one
2: two levels above Pelthia that are at war with them or have historically been at war. Oh like, yeah. Like, right at the end. And they just kind of like, this is like in the, in the conclusion wrapping up falling action.
0: I do. Okay. Yeah. And they're like, Oh yeah, we'll give you the painting. Cause they just like mm-hmm. destroyed Pelfia. Yeah. So, okay. So maybe some progress has been made. Um, but I mean, do you think that the Pelphians painting is one of the, the paintings that Uh, marat has in his possession could be he had what three of them i think i think five yeah i thought it was five or
2: six okay yeah so it'll be nice to get those we need those i don't remember i think we know how many there are and i think that's how we know how many levels of the tower there are as well but i don't remember those numbers offhand
0: i wanted to say it was 42 but now i'm not sure if it's just that i'm thinking of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know, 42 is the <laughs> yeah,
2: answer I think you to are. everything. Uh-huh. It's, it's, I mean, the, my impression is there's a lot of paintings still to go. There's only one more book. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it's going to happen.
0: Now we know why nobody in the tower knows how many levels there are because they hear it once and then they're always everybody just gets confused as to what number they heard we all heard three different things or we heard the same thing and we've come up with three different
1: numbers (laughs) dang this is true
2: maybe there's several editions of the book that are circulated out there and each one has different numbers
1: that would be such a cool like uh thing to do that would trip Reddit up so hard man Uh everybody would be so mad at each other
2: that would be a nice little easter egg
1: oh man that'd be awesome i I like it. it yeah
0: Okay, good ideas. You're giving, giving steven's Stephen ideas for his books.
1: Oh, speaking of, this is totally tangent, but i I'm deciding I'm gonna do the the writing November writing challenge.
2: This is the first. Okay, today's November first.
1: Yeah, I want to do fifty thousand words this month. It's my goal. Nice fifty. Yeah, over the course of the month. That's like the challenge. Not a know. day. Not per day.
0: Not yeah, per day. No, but fifty thousand. Well, that's I mean, it's like what fifteen hundred words a day a little bit more
1: uh yes I'm
0: good math that. good math good math so that I'm,
1: yeah it's it's substantial i want to devote like uh about an hour on it
0: that's, well day. that's awesome i'm yeah. i'm fully in support of you doing that okay yeah, yeah anyway, same
1: i just committed publicly now so
0: Excellent. patreon supporters can see your can see
2: your concluded oh
1: <laughs> maybe we'll see about that
2: Okay, so Pelfia, we said that was uh, interesting as far as like, that was most of the setting. Um, We didn't talk about, I mean, what did did you guys like spending the time in Pelfia? I thought it was, I really like these like really um, absurd, over the top, like what's the word? This, this, you know, this really uh, full of themselves type of setting. I think it's fun. Reminds me of like, you know, the really uh, self-indulgent, societies that they uh they get into in you you know the the tv show the serial killer show ryan you know right
0: i have i've seen a few episodes of the first oh, okay. the first season but I, I, didn't. I
2: think that kind of humor is fun when you're just like making fun of a really overblown element of society i enjoy pelfia yeah
0: they they party hard and they trash everything and and then everybody or they have the custodians come out and clean up the streets during the night or something like that right yeah it, it was certainly interesting and and i i thought that it was very creative how he had those excerpts from the journalist the pelphian journalist
2: Orrin robinson, Orrin robinson. I, do, or I love Orrin
0: robinson those are I great that was that was a great way to to really um insert the reader into oh. the culture of the pelphians i think he's inserting himself there I, I feel like he is josiah is Orin robinson yeah uh, that's my theory as well y- you know what i'm gonna say here Stephen? don't you <laughs> the joe abercrombie Warbreak theory yeah this <laughs> is just like your joe abercrombie <laughs> not gonna turn out
2: well that is very poorly in uh in the wisdom of crowds yeah for, for spoiler reasons but yeah.
1: Side note, I've always loved the name Oren, and so there's like a non-zero chance that if I have another son, they will be named Oren Robinson.
0: Ooh, I like it. Okay. You heard it here first. Josh is naming his son after. I
2: don't know if my wife you know, likes The Pelfian
0: journalist. <laughs> Oren <laughs>
2: Robinson. The, the peacock, the peacockish Pelfian journalist. Um, maybe wait till you read book four to. to yeah, I suppose you're gonna do that. I suppose. So, like uh, like the kids, the the parents who named their children after Game of Thrones characters that aged very poorly. Yep,
0: Daenerys. <laughs> yep, that one. That one. Da- Daenerys Targaryen Robinson. If I have a uh. daughter, she. I <laughs> was I was going to like try to avoid spoilers,
2: but at the same time, it's like it's eh, done. It's Game of Thrones. It's done. It's been a few years. It's kind of part of the the zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. And, zeitgeist. zeitgeist and
0: we're all I went for it i think it's I I it. zeitgeist yeah okay I, I, I think um we're all hoping that the tv show is not canon <laughs> or, or the books will end differently than the tv show uh, i'm hoping okay. Get,
1: getting know. us back on track thanks josh <laughs> what what did you guys think about Sendlin's interaction with uh with his wife like on the on the cart the little uh oh,
2: it was frustrating. The yeah Mary, the Mary Loop cart. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very
1: poor performance.
2: Very poor. From Senlin or Mario? From from Senlin. Mario was on point, man. I was
0: frustrated for a different well, reason.
1: Why, well, why why can't okay? Maybe for Mario. Why can't ah I get why she couldn't tell him? But like I don't get it. You know, like he had a right to know, and she should have told him about their kid.
2: And Told she was that, trying to protect him, I guess,
1: and protect the kid because maybe yeah. she knew that if he was too persistent yeah. with trying to save her and the baby,
2: then you know. I feel like we don't have a good enough understanding of how monstrous the Duke is. Like we've heard he's evil, and he's done a couple things that are like bullyish, and obviously like putting Simlin's head into a bucket and sending him off the black trail was was bad. Well, That's and bad. also manipulating Maria and like being abusive to her. But we don't we don't like we didn't see how abusive he was. And so it's uh, hard to know, like, how scared she was Threatened
1: to kill her
2: daughter unless she married him and gave him but we don't a actually see we like see that's it. pretty abusive. I don't know. I feel like if I had seen it, it would have been like, it would have really made me hate him and it would have helped me understand her fear of him more.
1: Maybe, maybe. I, also it also
2: would have been really dark. It would have been really dark. Yeah, probably darker tone than the books typically have.
1: Also, mistake from Edith not killing him. I'm just going to say that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a mistake. No, it's a mistake. Yep. Can I tell you why I was really frustrated with uh, Maria and Sunland's reunion? Yes. Yes. This is probably the the romantic in me, but I wanted Sunland there to be some dramatic. Reveal where Senlin like his mask falls off or something, and then like Maria sees him and is like, "Oh my oh. gosh, it's Senlin! He's oh. here to save me or whatever." You know, like, and, but instead she's just like, "Tom, take off that mask." I'm like, I'm like, "Oh man," she not like That was good.
2: I thought that was good
0: because I don't it know.
2: how how it showed you that she you know still loved him, right? Because he was very uncertain about where she was but it showed you like right away okay she still recognizes him in the funny costume and with the mask and all that
0: but she was like she's like tom go home what are you doing here and it's like he's like I, I i've just been like working my butt off trying to get back to you you know like i've i've been masquerading as like a pirate captain and then i was a spy and you know i'm i have he's come up with some whole facade and try to he's get close dead. to her here's the big miss on someone's part
2: what's up with coming out with the i've kissed someone else right away i don't know man like maybe i get that i get that that. a lot of things going on right i get that i get that you throw that in there no
1: man this is one i think that is actually really well written because i just think that you would you'd feel really dishonest with saying anything without prefacing it with like without you know saying i i I kissed i kissed another woman you know if you like saying they're like declaring your undying love without uh, with still keeping that secret i think you'd feel pretty dishonest about it
2: but but isn't there like so many like practical things to try to figure out in this very stressful yeah i get that but like i don't know man i'm just thinking if i
1: were in that position the it, it might be kind of selfish because you're right there are much more important things but like the first thing I want to do is like come clean, you know, like get that off my okay. chest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This Not is, this is how be in that position.
0: This is how Senlin is clinging to his old identity is like through his relationship with his wife. And he, mm-hmm. so he needs to come clean with this, with this sin that he sees between them. You know, he's done a yeah. lot of bad things to try and get back to her, but this is like his one, you know, he just needs to be honest with maria right
2: so josh in the arm of the sphinx review the relationship with maria you were and then well the relationship with edith at the end when he kisses her you were very uncertain about this because you were like oh my gosh like if this just becomes a thing with edith it's too soon it doesn't feel right uh did i mean what'd you think after this book
1: yeah of course i mean still same feelings right like his relationship with maria is what needs to you know stay strong here in my opinion
2: okay so you're team mario then yeah absolutely,
1: I'm Maria. Okay. i absolutely am team mario
2: okay
0: Okay. yeah
1: he's married to her i mean maybe if he if he wants to like
0: he's got know, a child with her
1: yeah there's a if he wants to tell her like hey you know i'm not in love with you anymore i fell in love with edith yeah then, that, then, that's fine but as it stands he yeah
2: So you're not saying you're not seeing the love triangle at all. You're just saying, no,
1: there's no love triangle.
0: Okay. Do you feel bad for Edith?
1: Yeah, of course. I I love Edith. I feel so
0: bad for Edith.
1: I love Edith and I feel super bad for her. And like, I feel like she's kind of drawn the short end of the stick here with, with uh, Senlin, but at the same time, she's an adult and she knew, right? Like she knew that she was taking, kind of taking advantage of Senlin when he was in a pretty distraught state. And she knew that, you know, he's in love with that. He has this wife that he's in love with. So like, I don't feel that bad for her. I, I, I feel bad for the situation, but like at the same time, she hasn't helped the situation and she's been kind of,
2: yeah, maybe she's been a little selfish I and, mean, but knowing her backstory as well helps because she's never had love in her life. And, uh, yeah. and, and now she's, I thought it was really well written at the end where she sees, uh, Maria and all of it. And she, like the way it's written about how this just hope kind of within her is extinguished and she's carrying this around now. And she's like, I was so silly to think that this could have been like, I that was really well written and really, really heartbreaking and sad.
1: Yeah. It's a very well-written character and very, very well done in my opinion. I'm not trying to like, I think that's one of the best part of the series is how these relationships have developed But in terms of like what I think is like ethically the right thing to do. I don't think that's really changed at all.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I mean, if if Mario was out of reach and happily married to the Duke, then it -hmm. it would be another thing. But she was just doing it to protect all of it.
1: This is for those of you that have seen The Corpse Bride. I watched this this Halloween with my wife because she's not a big scary movies person. So we watched The Corpse Bride that she's never seen. And there's a very similar situation where, you know, there's this guy who's engaged or promised to this girl. And then gets you know accidentally married to the corpse bride, and then you know it's the it's a very similar situation here, where he didn't really do it. Nobody really did anything wrong. You understand all the feelings, but there's
2: the right thing
1: to have happened.
2: I guess we we, <laughs> <laughs> we see what Josh requires in the fall of Babel. <laughs> okay, would, what 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 do you want him to end up with Edith? Are you are you team Edith there? It could be written in that way. I think I think things would have to happen things there would have to be reasons like mario would have to die yeah she would maybe she would have to die or some i don't know maybe i don't see
0: any way for it working out with edith with maria still alive and well
1: i I mean maybe if if maria chooses if maria i could see it maria choosing to go home and stanlin choosing to stay in the tower
2: without his daughter
0: I couldn't, I
1: couldn't
2: see Sen, like Sinlin's going to choose his daughter over anything.
1: Yeah, I, you would hope so, but like maybe he has, maybe he gets tied to the tower somehow, so he's like not able to leave. He he's such sacrifices. a he's
2: such an emotional uh, and you know, was a character that values these relationships so much. I could yeah. it, it would seem so out of character for him to like choose the tower. I, choose but
1: like I'm either. thinking he might have some like physical dependence. Maybe he like you know, we'll die without the, the stuff from the Sphinx, you know?
2: <laughs> so, uh, so specific. pirates of the Caribbean three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they can only, <laughs> they can only meet uh, once, once every 10 uh, years on the, <laughs> they still stay together. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know. It's not, I could, I could see, I, I think that uh, Josiah Bancroft is a good enough author that he, if he, if that's the direction he wanted to go, he could come up with a compelling situation mm-hmm. in which Thomas and, or thomas and uh, edith end up together without maria dying i trust him to do that but like i just don't really think that's what's going to happen
2: yeah i agree i agree okay should we talk about the black trail It's kind of a fun one with something that's been hinted at for two books we knew i i mean going in i feel like reading the first book and maybe, maybe the second book maybe not the first book but once you kind of figure out that there's hods and they travel this black trail thing I feel like one of my, like, if I had to make predictions, if I had to go back in time and like, honestly say, a prediction I would make would be that Senlin becomes a hod and travels the black trail. I feel like that was always something that was going to happen. And so we see it here and I thought it was cool. I thought it was a fun setting that what didn't like, there wasn't a lot of pages spent on it, but it was really well realized. Like Bancroft does a really good job of once again, creating these really, Cool visual and unique settings in my mind. Earlier.
0: One of one of the things that I thought was really cool about the Black Trail. I mean, you've heard lots of horrifying things about what happens to the Hods, and uh, it's hard. It's hard like to actually create something that's as that's as horrifying as the readers would imagine it to be. You know, yeah. without describing it. And one of the truly horrifying things that I thought uh, happened there. Which was unique is how they all have their debts tied to them. And you're never supposed to tell anybody else how much you owe, because if you owe like a very small amount, that's like very desirable. And so people will like literally murder you so that they could trade out their debt for your debt. Um, And so, you know, it's one of those things that brings human nature. He brought human nature into the Black Trail. And I mean, of course, it's going to be horrifying because of the circumstances and like, you know, there's there's gonna be lots of crime. But I don't know. I thought that was a very creative touch to um the Hods and the Black Trail. Yeah, I agree. Like the idea that if you owe, what was it? If you
2: owe a lot or no, if you owe a little bit, then you're more of a target to be yeah, yeah to have your your debt taken from you. And so Senlin was supposed to say that he owed a lot. And uh yeah, it seems like People who were, you know, if you were to stuff a Pelphian into the Black Trail, they would not survive very long. It's something that you really have to be like pretty uh, weathered as far as life goes to survive. It's something that it makes sense that Fingal is thriving there because uh, this guy is
0: probably good at kind of just worming his way into every part of society, wherever he is. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got to say, though, about the Black Trail, it doesn't seem like an efficient way to run uh, to, to have slaves that like just the whole thing where you basically yeah. like kick some slaves out of a gatehouse and you're like all right you take that up to like I don't know five levels up and you'll get paid up there and so then you, I, I feel like supplies would just get like stolen and lost all along the way without any oversight
2: well it's clearly what's happening with uh, Murat's group of zealots yeah yeah I mean nothing in the tower is I would not call any of this efficient I don't think I mean, the ideas kind of make sense like oh, we're heating things here and we're changing fuses here and we're creating power here. The ideas are cool. I don't I don't think the science really uh, plays out, but um, it's fun to think yeah. there's a there's an economy of the tower behind the scenes. Can
1: I just share another thing that kind of brought me out of the story a little bit was how abysmal Sendlin's performance was sometimes. And how amazing it was other time. Okay. So like the how fooled he was with um with
2: with Duke Pell.
1: With Duke Pell. Foolish, right? Like, come on. I maybe I understand that he wanted to be convinced that Mario had a good life. Maybe I can I can you can convince me of that. But come on, like do some research. It's it's not hard to see that this guy is like a bad guy, right? And then he goes from that abysmal performance to like now kind of finagling his way into the top echelons of the hod empire and marat's inner confidence you know what i mean like i just feel like his ability levels kind of swung a bit um opposite ends of the pendulum here
0: let me explain this to you how it happened at least in my mind okay yeah no
1: this because this i want i want this explained
0: I think that after so despite despite everybody thinking it was or even Thomas thinking it's a bad idea he went to go see that play with um that they made about Maria's history Uh and I think it was pretty obvious to us as readers that this isn't what like there were some like more intimate details but like even Maria as a person the person he married wouldn't do that like she wouldn't tell this whole story with the intent to disparage uh tom like even if she was happily married to the duke she's just not that type of person but i think that just the combination of circumstances and his lack of finding his wife i think that he was becoming depressed and this just kind of accelerated and 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 played upon his depression and so i, I And because of that, he became susceptible to these thoughts that, you know, Mari is happy without me. She doesn't want me. And so he was like tricking himself into thinking like, maybe the Duke is like a good person. Maybe my wife is happy with him. And even though like it doesn't make sense, logical sense to people outside of it, I think that this depression is just all playing into his mind. And then later on, he puts things together with his daughter, with all of it. And because mm-hmm. of that, he learns like why he needs to get back, and he gets his drive back, and so he 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 becomes competent again because he has something to work for again, and he hasn't really lost hope and given into his depression and said he's gotten back out of it, and so I think that is one way in which uh, you could explain the fact that he lost, he was able to get tricked by the duke, and then and then he subsequently as a hod he, he got back his hope and he got back his drive and now he's doing cool things again. He's outsmarting people, tricking people, trying, just trying to do everything that he's done in the first two books, just trying to save his wife and family.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I like it. I think I wasn't ensconced enough in his mental state, but I think that's the yeah. explanation.
0: And I mean, I think some of these are like, uh, I'm just re- maybe reading into things but I mean, sometimes you gotta put yourself in the character shoes okay. and explain things.
1: Yeah, kind of like Kalada and Stormlight. like he has yeah. some yeah, performances that are much better than other performances,
2: keeping yeah. it spoiler
1: free. Okay.
2: Yeah, I like that, Ryan. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's easier for us as readers to be like, obviously, you know, Mario still loves you, like yeah. like she starts off by kissing you on the on the roller coaster. And then, uh, you know, none of these details are really adding up, but for him. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about the. Valletta parts in the middle. So one thing that I was critical of in the second book was I didn't love her character. I was just confused. Like how old is she really? Even though like she just like her general maturity seems to be all over the place. I liked her more in this book. I liked her in
1: this book. Yeah. I thought that it was one of those things where she, she kept an air of innocence about her that finally caught up with her in like a really sad and tragic way, you know? And I thought that that was demonstrated really well. And I'm really interested to see what happens to her in book four.
0: You mean with, uh, with like the prince?
1: Yeah. Her just assuming that she was still kind of untouchable yeah she'd be able you know to get out of any situation she was in
0: i mean i i think that's true i i i don't think she is totally naive i mean she did talk to iran about it but like you said she did continue moving forward and she just i'm gonna be okay like it didn't even cross her mind maybe he has a gun that i don't know it was really shocking to read that right when you're like, oh my gosh, like Valetta is yeah, yeah. actually going to have to like kill this guy. Um, and then he just like shoots her. I thought she might have died. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I thought she was dead. Which is like pretty well done because usually you're like, Yeah, the character's not really dead. They're going to get out of it somehow. But I, I honestly thought she was going to die. And regardless mm-hmm. if she doesn't die or not, there are going to be
1: consequences for this. You know, mm-hmm. it's like pretty apparent that there's going to be. And I, I thought that the one the one chapter they spent with the backstory of her, like, walking across that, you know, the thing over the train or whatever it was. I, thought I, think, that that was,
2: that, I think that was Armored of the Sphinx. Was that Armored of the Sphinx? I think so. Okay. But keep anyway. on going.
1: Yeah, I th- I just thought that that was a good, kind of a good foreshadowing in the fact that, you know, she would move on things and see things as, like, they really were after the fact. Mm. But in in the moment, she would let her whole worldview be encompassed by uh, completing this one task. And for in this part, it was the fact that she was going to find Maria and figure out the truth and nothing could prevent her from doing that, you know, but that wasn't that kind of stopped being the case.
2: Yeah, she's got a huge invincibility complex, obviously, as someone who's like running out on rooftops and. Um, doing things that get other characters killed, copycats killed. Uh, It's clearly not safe all the time, but doesn't even really consider that it's not safe. She gives me, and maybe this is because of the ball that she went to and the way that she acted, but it gave me like major vibes of Vin from Mistborn, similar type. I mean, Vin is different in some, in a lot of ways, but there are some similarities here, especially like running out on rooftops at night and doing cool stuff Um, and then like at the ball there was some kind of vibes of Vin and Elend a little bit obviously again very different but um, similar where you have this kind of outsider coming in and making a name for
0: herself by just like being herself yeah I I didn't think that until you just said it and I can totally see how that would make sense but with Vin you know she's kind of from the streets a little bit and now she's being trained to infiltrate the upper echelon of society, and you know she's she's being tutored in all of these different mm-hmm. blanking yeah. on the word. Like Byron is trying to teach her how to curtsy, and yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Like that was that was really funny to me. I enjoyed like that just witty humor as Byron teaches how to teaches her how to curt uh, curt cur- cur- gosh can't say it Byron teaches her how to curtsy a million times. And then she goes to do it the very first time
0: and it's just like horrifying and she can't do it all. Yeah. And, and you're totally right. It does seem like at the beginning, it's like this Vin Ellen type of courtship uh, just takes a very different turn than that one does. <laughs> very different.
2: Very different. <laughs> yes. Okay. Any kind of last things? And then we're going to go to
0: our worst of the best segment. Any any burning things that you really wanted to talk about? Any hot takes? Um, I have some hot takes. As uh, I have a good analogy that I'd like to share with our listeners and viewers. Please share. Please share. So, um, the Tower of, of Babel. What what's a good real life example of that? Well, my answer is Disneyland. I <laughs> it's like this it's like this trap that you know you hear so many wonderful things about i actually just went to disneyland this past weekend The happy so, yeah exactly you know there's probably something similar to the Everyman's guide to the tower except for disneyland and then you get to you get to disneyland and you're charged an arm and a leg just to get in and then everything there is just like you know that you have the merry-go-rounds like the merry beer me it, beer me go rounds or they whatever at disneyland well you can buy it but they don't or the children (laughs) they have these tourist attractions the workers there are just actors um just just like in the tower of babel at the end of the day you're just exhausted i mean thanks to modern technology you can find people but you know before cell phones if you lost somebody in disneyland they'd probably how are you gonna find them again Mm -hmm. so it you know there's a lot of similarities at the end of a weekend of disneyland i was so tired my son was sick. We get home at like one in the morning. I have to go to work the next day. I'm like, man, I just paid money for this. <laughs> weekend. I heard it it costs a thousand dollars on average for
2: a family of four to go to Disneyland.
0: Ooh. Yeah, fortunately, um, it was our Christmas present uh, like two years ago for these tickets. So we didn't, my wife and I didn't have to pay for our own price of admission, and our son is so young that we didn't have to pay for him either. Um, but I mean it just seems like sure Disneyland it is there are some upsides to it it's not all bad but I could definitely see some similarities to the tower
2: so you lose your kid at Disneyland and 20 years later you have Tarzan yeah (laughs) nice analogy Disneyland aka the Black Trail I can see it
1: but I don't think I have any parting shots um other than I kind of agree with Ryan on the Disneyland uh is the tower comparison oh
2: man people are gonna hate us people okay. love yeah. disneyland guys i know a lot of people who love Disneyland. yeah
0: i mean you know that one guy who loved the parlor right and in, in the story he was just like so excited he's like oh my gosh i'm so excited to be an actor in the show and sendland's like what like what do you what do you mean and then and then he gets put in the same group as sendland you know he's he's the He's the younger bachelor who's who's cheating on the older guy, and he's like so excited to act, and he's just having the time of his life. And then, boom, he dies because of that crazy, uh, the crazy older guy who were all like, "What the heck? Why, why did he?" You're do saying that?
2: you're saying this could happen at Disneyland?
0: No, I'm saying that there are people who are excited about the tower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are people who love love Disneyland, too. Okay, on that note. Worst of the best.
2: Maybe Disneyland is the worst of the best for Ryan, but come up with another one.
0: The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book,
2: it's almost unfair to nitpick.
0: But
1: that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar
0: performance. Someone has to point it out. (laughs) Okay, I have a good worst of the best. So I'll go first. Yes, please. And this... I don't, this isn't really nitpicking about the structure of the plot or the writing or anything like that. Maybe it's just something that's wrong with me. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. But as part of this world that uh, Bancroft has created, he's introduced us to different types of creatures, like the chimney cats, um, the spider eaters, uh, the spiders. There's, there's lots of things that, uh, oh, the, the, whatever lots of creations from the sphinx it's like um, some slugs
2: that are in the basement i think
0: yeah yeah all all sorts of different things and as i'm listening to it i i, I realize that i have a lot of times become maybe a bit my imagination is limited i like to look up like artwork that other people have made on these or or you know like artwork that in these special editions of books that come out because I I have trouble visualizing these. And so Bancroft has created this, this unique world, you know, it's very similar to our own and then with some cool little twists to it. And this tower is awesome. Um, But then I, I just struggle to visualize it and through no fault of Josiah's, just the community is smaller. So there's not that same type of, there's not really wikis. There's not really artwork. And so I don't. I I struggle to put it all together in my imagination, and that's why I was saying that this is probably just an issue with myself because I'm sure there are people who love to have some some small descriptions and then just throw it all together in their head, and then when they actually see it on a piece of paper, they're like, you know what? That's not that's not how I visualize it in my head. And so I don't know. Do you think? Do you think I've just become too dependent on? <laughs> on other people drawing things you
2: need to create the artwork sounds like that's the solution
0: uh you guys don't want to see the artwork that (laughs) i create (laughs) your chimney cat is like a stick figure yeah it would look like uh, just a balloon animal
1: i think that's a good point ryan i mean i don't it's kind of hard right because that's what you get when you kind of sign up for reading a lesser known book series i i think that he does a an above average job though of of um, descript- descriptions and creating this world. So I don't think he's done a poor job with it, but I get that, you know, that, that might not be what you're used to reading. Uh, yeah, but not I, that you're used to reading, but the resources that you're used to having. Right. I get, I get that that's kind of weird.
0: Yeah. I, I, I didn't really want it to like criticize his descriptions or anything, because like I said, it, it might just be me listening to it. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, truly putting it like I, I think the spider eaters look kind of like large ant eaters something like that i mean i know more, they have more predatory though yeah yeah and i don't know but i mean these are these are really cool things and so it's it's a world worth exploring
1: all right my worst of the best just because i know we're running out of time ryan sorry to cut uh, no, that discussion off a little bit early but was just was the plan to free uh what's his fr- friend's name the big guy taru from-
2: potter john, john. Yeah. terrible john.
1: terrible i mean i get i think that Brian has kind of recontextualized this part of the story in my mind with you know this uh depression that he's going through but come on man you can't be putting out your plan straight up like that in letters and expect it to like go unnoticed and
2: i get that he made it a little bit he, he didn't sign his name right
1: well he signed his fake name that his pseudonym that he was under no, her. no i think he said like oh your, your friend, friend from the back or you're you're your, your smiling ever smiling friend or something like that
2: yeah.
1: yeah 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 you're right i don't know yeah maybe not that it was him but that there was a plot like he still should have known that was going to get john in trouble and along with this and this exact same i thought it was a little bit too maybe serendipitous uh, maybe the opposite of serendipity in terms of like bad luck but with um this person who had he had wronged at the beginning of the arm of the sphinx right it was the one that recognized him and was the one that gave up the gig oh yeah yeah i thought that was cool of like showing his actions coming back to bite him but maybe i don't know having that foreshadow a little bit more right beforehand or something like that could have been right
2: fun. although i do wonder and maybe maybe this merits a reread but did the duke pell did he already like had he already figured it out somehow because he didn't seem
0: surprised at all i don't think so he seemed like you know, like he was just like, oh, like it all makes sense now. You know, I think he knew
1: something was going on, and so when he figured it out, it was one of those realizations.
2: Like I was wondering if he somehow he had gotten something out of Maria, or something, and so he knew, and so he was like bringing in. But that doesn't make sense because, like, how would he have known that this this random woman knew Senlin? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That that is the opposite of serendipity. There. Well, the
1: the chance the chance level remaining the same, right? But like the yeah. outcome being the opposite. Yeah. 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 Agree.
2: Agree. Okay. Mine is on the structure. I liked the structure, except I think, and this is going back to our discussion at the beginning with like the the different things revealed the different times and stuff. I think it was all really cool, really well done. I wish there was a little more crossover, like some random things that happen. And maybe, again, maybe a reread will remove this because maybe there are these details and I missed them. But some, you know, just some random things that Senlin did and like, oh, now we're seeing this like random thing also here in Valletta's part. And it, it doesn't have any influence on the plot, but you can just see some like small- Like, like a newspaper clipping
1: of somebody disrupting the shootings from happening.
2: That, yeah. Y- yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. But they don't realize, the characters don't realize, but the yeah. reader does. Just like a little extra treat for the reader, to well not even treat, but help you, but help you figure out where,
1: like what yeah. is lining
2: up with what. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that could also help us like a little more more tentpole moments. Yeah, and there there probably are more things. I think that uh, Bancroft probably thought about this as he put this together. I guess maybe I just wanted more because I I really like the idea. I like these types of things, and so I, I wanted more. I, I want more of the good stuff. Cool. All right, that's a wrap for us and the Hot King the hod king and on to book four the fall of babel what will happen uh let us know in the comments uh what you're excited to see in book four uh subscribe on youtube and hop on discord we're gonna be doing this is definitely one that merits a a dedicated read-along channel because there's several people in discord that will be reading it together so if you are a fan and want to read it with us uh we will monitor spoilers and and avoid all that kind of kind of thing but uh, it's fun to just like get some connection with the and get some opinions back and forth.
1: And maybe be on the lookout for a special special uh, Fantology episode coming out later this week. I would uh, subscribe for that.
2: Yeah, special content around Books of Fable coming your way soon. So watch out for that. Get excited. Okay, until next time, come the hot king. Hotter John. I mean, hotter Bye, guys. John. Not hotter John. <laughs> hotter Josh. Hotter Ryan. Hotter. Hotter Radar. Hotter Radar? Oh, radar. Radar. radar the cat. I hopefully, hopefully cats do not become hots. Ryan, this might he's, be. He's the
0: librarian. Help. He's the librarian.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's the boom. All right. All right. On that note, see you guys later. See you guys. Bye.